Welcome everyone to episode 132 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I am your host, David Comerford, and I'm going to be taking you through the 1-0 victory over Brentford. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So another 1-0 win for Liverpool, another 1-0 win secured by Mohamed Salah. This time bundling in in the first half against Brentford and then Liverpool. Missing some opportunities to make it more comfortable, but holding off Brentford to claim the victory and the clean sheet. That solidifies fifth place in the table at the moment. So let's start um, this podcast with a three-yard match review, as usual. And I was tempted to go with, and another one for this, um, playing on what Pep Linder said in the tunnel afterwards. Um, but I had to add, I had to add the word and at the start. So it fit the three-word bill because he was just saying another one like DJ Khaled. So I think I'm going to go for a more snappy Salah makes history for this one. Obviously in reference to the fact that we we see Mohamed Salah really make three pieces of history in this game. And, and that can't necessarily be overlooked. So it was his 100th Anfield goal in the first half. He moved level with Steven Gerrard in fifth place, I believe, on the club's all-time list. And has now scored in nine consecutive and field appearances. I mean, the dominance of this man at that particular stadium um, is unbelievable, and I think is right up there, sort of in Premier League history. The you know the consistency there, obviously, with scoring all those goals, is unbelievable. But I, I did want to sort of take a moment on Salah because it is very easy to to take what we're seeing for granted, and I think beyond that, you know, people talk about superlatives running out and that's kind of an overused expression to a degree but but it's true in this case Salah's been so consistently unbelievable for six years now that it's hard to find new things to say to him new ways to praise him but the thing I, I look at with this is if when we'd signed him if you if you cast your mind back to that day in 2017 when when Mohamed Salah joined Liverpool if, if someone had said to you then, he's going to score as many goals for the club as Steven Gerrard, you would have been absolutely stunned. And that wasn't a reflection, obviously, of the player that we were getting. You know, we were all excited about it. But to reach that level is unbelievable. You know, we're talking about the greatest player of Liverpool's modern history in Gerrard, really. Um, and for Salah to, to score the same amount as him um, is phenomenal, to be honest. So, uh it's uh, it was funny to see a lot of people on Twitter saying, you know, he's the only sort of king they recognise. And obviously, this is the game that started with um, the national anthem being played at Anfield. Um, we've gone into the reasons why it was booed um, in our podcast um, called "Explaining Scouts Not English," um, which you can listen to if you scroll back. I think it's you know an episode in the twenties or something like that. So I'm not going to get into that here. Um, but I was just really proud to support the club at that moment, to be honest. Um, it's sort of a Scouse ex- exceptionalism in a way. And, you know, it, it does show how much it goes beyond the football team, I think. And it becomes more about your identity with, with Liverpool. And, I mean, in terms of the whole situation generally, I know a lot of people weren't happy that Liverpool were put in this position. Um by the Premier League, I think it probably should have been down to the clubs how they wanted to market, you know, just left to them. I think a lot of them would have played the anthem anyway. Um, 
but yeah, to you know, Liverpool have basically been put in a position where they're going to be kind of preyed upon now by obviously the right wing press and um, their readership, I suppose. Um, and some some people will care about that a lot more than others. But I think the main thing yesterday was just a display of kind of scouse identity and um, scouse unity um, and I, I did really enjoy it to be honest so let's move on to the actual football now um, the thing that Klopp did that sprung a surprise yesterday was um, playing four attackers from the off and I, I did wonder if it was going to be Curtis Jones playing in a two alongside Fabinho which that would have been pretty bold but looking at the heat maps and the um, average positions afterwards it looks more like Cody Gakpo was effectively playing right centre midfield, which is even bolder than that. Um, not that it affected Liverpool too much, um, because they finished the game with an XG of just over two, and they've only given up 0.2 to Brentford. And that figure is slightly surprising because the game felt very tense. It felt like Brentford were posing a big threat to Liverpool, and I think it reflects the fact that they just couldn't sort of. I think Carragher was saying in commentary they couldn't get that final ball. They like, they couldn't sort of affect Liverpool in the box, um, and that's why they weren't able to really threaten Allison too much. Um, in terms of Liverpool goal, I think um, smart from Van Dijk to head it back across. I mean, it's been games this season where he just needed to shoot and he tried to head it back across, but this time it definitely worked. Great pass from Fabinho too. Obviously, a bit of a throwback from him that ball, and then Salah just about managing to uh, to score. One of a few moments in that game where I basically got my arms up in the air thinking it's a goal and <laughs> it, it's briefly not. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, the, the couple of others would be when Trent played the ball over the top for Nunez, exceptional pass, um, and he's got a score, doesn't, and the frustration there. I mean, he looked like he was frustrated with someone else, but he was almost angry with himself. Um, and... It is still a mental game for him and I think there was comments in the week, I don't want to get into Nunez fully here, but there was comments in the week from the coaching staff about how they keep telling him that he's doing, you know, that he's doing well, that he needs to put that pressure on himself. I'm not sure that message has got through just based on that one moment. Um, and then Gakpo, um, there was the one where Jota fizzed it across it's sort of mad how it doesn't go in. I think it was at a slightly awkward height, the ball, in fairness, because you can't really direct it when it's with your knees. Um, so it was just unfortunate, that one, I suppose. And and then the one where he sort of, think Hickey heads the ball, basically two in, under pressure from Salah, and he just snatches at that chance. So Liverpool definitely could and should have killed this one off. They didn't. Um, one thing that impressed me about Brentford as well is, um, you know, this is a team who has the fourth lowest uh, possession share in the league, 42.7%. They've come to Anfield and had 46%, so not far off, like a 50-50 split. Um, and the striking thing about them is, while they are incredibly direct as a team, they can also kind of play out from the back um, under pressure. And that was impressive yesterday, like the technical ability the players had. Um, although maybe you think to yourself, you know, do Liverpool need to be dominating that game a little bit more really and controlling it a bit more the good thing is when they were asked to defend um the set pieces which was obviously they're they undoing against forest i mean how many long throws do we see here though they defended them absolutely brilliantly yesterday um 
a Brentford team who've ripped them apart from set pieces, certainly in the away games since they were promoted. But yeah, really well defended on those for Liverpool. And now um, Liverpool have won 123 um, and drawn 113. Sorry, not 113, drawn 13 at the last uh, 136 games and leading Anfield and lost and haven't lost a single one, which is obviously a very imperious record. And another interesting stat from that game, six successive games won five of them, the last five, being by a single goal. The first team in the history, sorry, the first team in the Premier League to do that since Birmingham in 2009. So we're going back 14 years there uh, since that last happened. And it's just, um, you know, a lot of those games have been maybe more nervy than you would have wanted, but credit to at least for being able to, to see them out. Um, so we're going to get into the individual performances in a second, but before that, um, please do remember to give us a five-star review if you're enjoying Red Zone Restricted. Um, it, it only takes a second and it helps us out so much. And also, if you're listening on those audio platforms, um, subscribe to the podcast so it appears in your feed. Um, and you can also press the notification button so you get a message every time we post a new episode. And remember, we have an email address as well, podcast at gmail.com. Dead easy to remember. And it's also in the episode description as well if you want to send us anything on there to discuss or any feedback or any questions, anything like that. Um, so yeah, let's get into the players. Um, we've already talked about Salah. I think Chris um, made a joke in our podcast chat about how the... The podcast could essentially be a copy and paste of, of Fulham, um, which isn't too far from the truth. I didn't want to lead with that, um, but I think it wasn't one with sort of outstanding individual displays um, largely, but credit to Alisson. He keeps his uh, 100 clean sheet for Liverpool, um, and he really commanded his box well, which is obviously a big um, requirement against Brentford, even if he didn't have necessarily... Um, particularly tough saves to make in this one to see the centre-backs did well against um, Ivan Tony. I think um, he played really well yesterday in the sense of sort of I think his playmaking is what stood out the most you know you can look at Tony, you can see that he contests the second most aerial duels in the league and think he is just kind of the sort of direct um, target man kind of presence but now he's he's absolutely brilliant with, with the ball at his feet Um really sort of put on a showcase of that yesterday. Um, but I think Liverpool did well, um, broadly speaking, um, against those Brentford attackers who've caused them so much, so many problems in the past. Um, and it was nice to see a, a successful offside trap as well for the uh, the goal, the disallowed goal for Mbwemo, um, which is obviously a part of his identity is um, pushing up aggressively. So well done to Van Dijk for that. And then um, I wanted to touch on Trent briefly because he didn't necessarily have his best games in this new role yesterday. Um, he made a couple of mistakes and he, he was beaten a couple of times. So, you know, in his own half, not so much. But, like, you just, you look at it and you think he's producing sort of a highlight reel of passes in a single game that you wouldn't get from, from most players in a season. And I've been thinking a lot this week about, you know, who's Liverpool's most important player and, it's a debate we've had so much um, over the years, really. There's been people who've said Mo Salah. We mentioned the feats he's achieved earlier. There's been people who said Alisson. We've just said he's got 100 clean sheets. He's been Liverpool's player of the season this year. Without him, Liverpool would probably be in mid-table. Um, 
you can look at Virgil van Dijk is the reason that Liverpool have struggled this season, that he's struggled. Is that a marker of his importance? You might take the same for Fabinho. Probably not on the same level as the other three, but there's certainly a few people who would say he's he's right up there still in terms of his importance. But I think that Trent might just take the cake on this one. And I think you look at the upturn in performances and results and dominance of football matches since this position change. And that points to, I think, this effectively being Trent's team. And what I mean by that is he he is the player who is the creative hub. He has more touches, more passes than anybody else. So it's not a surprise that his individual form is so closely tied to that of the team. And I think we've sort of seen that throughout his Liverpool career. I mean, 18-19, he's excellent Liverpool. They're unbelievable. The following season, he has a dip until the run-in. And that basically mirrors Liverpool's form. Liverpool really sort of struggled that year. Sort of between... Um, certainly, well, certainly between January um, and kind of April and May. And he's probably in what was up to this season the, the worst part of Liverpool career in terms of forming in that spell. But then when he picks up, Liverpool puts the run together um, to secure top four that year. And it's been virtually exactly the same this year, except with it with a change of role this time. And just watching it, it just feels like it's his side. It feels like we can almost be on the Steven Gerrard trajectory where he is kind of the dominant presence within the team. Um, and that's exciting, I think, in a way. I just think that as kind of the the chief the chief playmaker, he is really establishing himself now as as the one who dictates his team's fortunes the most. Everything seems to run through him. Um, so really, the, the the change of system from Klopp has sort of settled that long running debate. I think, but we'll see. I suppose next season, most people might disagree with that. I just thought it was an interesting kind of development that that we have seen um, in the past in the past couple of weeks. Um, and I know stats by the way. That we saw in the first half in terms of I can probably get them up actually. So, you know, since he, he sort of changed role um into this kind of midfield position, he's completely kind of dominating the Premier League charts. I've got it here. So first for assists, chances created, passes in the opposition half, entries into the penalty area, possession one, and touches. So, you know, he is just kind of I mean it was a surprise to not see him nominated for the player player the month award for uh, for April really on that basis um and yeah he is just kind of in a class of one lately you'd have to say and already i think Klopp is from the midfield rebuild standpoint he's managed to get himself this amazing all-round midfield who's only going to get better i suppose as he gets more used to playing that role at the elite level and and we've seen him play it before in kind of his sort of development days but Playing it now is obviously a bit different, but he's growing, I suppose, with with every week. And, and even the mistakes he made yesterday in that regard, I think, were uh, probably a part of that learning curve, you'd have to say. So, it's I didn't necessarily want to talk about Trent so much after not one of his best games, but it, it was something I think that w- was worth exploring. Um, so, let's think about where Liverpool are sort of at at the moment. Um, I'm not going to get into the top four race um in particular because we're recording this um on sunday morning so we've got newcastle versus arsenal and west ham 
versus Man United later today, I think there's not much point talking about where Liverpool are at until we see what what's happened with those games. Ideally, I think in the case of catching Newcastle, it's critical that, that Arsenal beat them with Man United as well, given their fixtures, given that West Ham are a team who are sort of European semi-finalists and are much better than their league position suggests. I think that's probably got to be dropped points for Man United as well, given their remaining fixtures look a bit more straightforward. Um, so I think today's going to go a long way to determining how, certainly what the mood's like heading into this game against Leicester, but even beyond that, um, just sort of the final weeks of the season, I suppose, whether it is just um, going to be kind of a bit of a a quiet finish of the season, really. Um, Liverpool just trying to you know keep the, the good feeling without necessarily competing for all that much or whether it is going to be a bit of a, a grandstand finish in this top four battle. Um, and in the Premier League as a whole, you know, is it going to be a title race or is it going to be a top four race or, or is there just going to be that relegation battle on the last day of the season, I suppose, as well. Um, one thing I will say is, you know, regardless of top four, independence of that, I think last season we saw that, and I've probably made similar points to this before on the podcast, but last season we saw that when a season ends badly, and last season was sort of as devastating as you can sort of imagine for a final week, certainly at the elite level, with the way the last day of the Premier League played out, you know, imagine if, if Man City had just won that game against Aston Villa, just sort of like 3-0 or something, and Liverpool had never really been in a position, they would have recovered a lot quicker, I think. And then obviously you have the Champions League final uh, a week after, which isn't kind of, you're not sort of as, um, it's not as brutal in a way because, you know, you just lost, you just lost the game yourself 1-0 and you've not done enough ultimately. But, um, I, th- I just think that double blow to end the season and seeing those kind of quadruple aspirations unravel but you come agonisingly close is just so brutal for the players and I think as much as they might have thought otherwise you know even with the sort of, the sort of parade at the uh, when they got back to, to Liverpool ultimately as much as that was a spectacular show of support which is obviously meant a lot to them I don't think it was enough to kind of lift the players off the floor and I think even when they came back for pre-season that kind of emotional hangover was probably still there and we're saying all oh, this behind sight I mean we probably didn't think it at the time but we probably saw that into the start of this season and then the players confidence is just kind of low and it's one of those things where when it's gone it's just kind of so hard to recapture and it just kind of snowballs really over the course of the season so so that was negative momentum basically um long story short this this season I think even if there is disappointment of, of not getting top four of having to play in the Europa League next year I think Liverpool can sort of carry more positive feeling into next year. I think they've reminded the league with this sequence of how good they are. And also, crucially, on the kind of confidence point, reminded themselves. And I think that can be a really positive platform to kind of carry that optimism into the off-season, into next year, when... We're going to see the cavalry arrive in the transfer market as well, which we've seen countless times gives players a boost. So I think Liverpool could actually sort of be laying the foundations, not just in terms of system change, but also in terms of their kind of mindset for next season already. Um, and that's why I think 
this run of form that some people are worried may count for nothing. And again, we'll see what happens in the games later today. But this run of form may be actually a lot more valuable than just kind of league position for this year, um, which I think is something worth touching on. Um, but yeah, um, we're coming to the end of the podcast now. If you've been watching um, this podcast on YouTube, then uh, please do subscribe to the channel. Uh, we post our episodes in full every week. And you can also please like the video um, and drop us a comment as well with your sort of thoughts on Liverpool's current situation, the game against Brentford, anything like that. Um, and yeah, similar to similar really for the audio. Um, and you, you can get notifications every time we upload as well on there. So we're coming towards the end of the season now. It was sort of striking look at the table yesterday and saying that Liverpool have played 35 matches. Now we really are in um, coming up to the final few games. But make sure you follow us just for the final weeks of the campaign to see where Liverpool end up and see, like I said before, what the kind of mood is going to be like headed into what is that crucial summer. But yeah, until the next one, hope you enjoyed this episode and take care.